Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They call it Stormy Monday But Tuesday's just as bad Blues and Southern Rock Podcast, a Southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast on Pantheon Podcast, where you can go and find the music podcast of your choice, of your liking. Hopefully, we're included in there somewhere, so... Go to Pantheon to find whatever you dig. So we're here, including with, Metallica, yeah, the official home of the Metallica podcast. Yeah, even though, yeah, even though we're a blues and southern rock podcast, we got to mention that. So that, that's that's such a great thing for for uh, Pantheon to to land land them. That's that's just super. And Brian, they've got something. So did you ever watch the Real World on MTV? Yeah. So if you remember, I don't remember which city it was, but John, the country music singer. Remember him? And then Beth, I think she was on Real World Seattle. They okay. now have their own podcast together on Pantheon oh. Podcast that I can't wait to check okay. out. Right on. Yeah. We are one step closer in our six degrees of MTV Real, Real World right now, Brian. One step closer to MTV Real World. <laughs> what do you think about that? Oh, well, I uh, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem all impressed by that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we were chatting before about great live records. Um, some in our genre, some not. Like, what? What? Let's go. What do you got? I'll tell you one of my one of my favorite live records of all time, and it's it, depending on the day, could certainly be number one. Is Jimmy Page and the Black Crows live at the Greek? Because I love Led Zeppelin and I love the Black Crows are my two favorite bands, and having those guys played together and it being live was mind blowing to me. It's one of my favorites. What about you? What's one of your favorite live records? Did, did you get to see 
Any of those shows? I no, I was going to go to the oh. Cleveland show, and that got canceled. That was after he, he hurt, Jimmy hurt his back and was canceled. Well, he I only mean, played it, like six or seven shows, I think, before he got hurt. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with uh, you know this is a it's a video it's on video well it's on CD two and I have the uh, DVD and CD but uh, I believe. I want to make sure I got this straight, but Skinner at uh, Nebworth in 76. That's a great one, too. I have heard clips from that. I've never seen the whole live show, but I bet you I can find it on YouTube. Oh, it's definitely there. Yeah. Live at Nebworth, 76. One of, my other, one of my other favorites, Brian, and it's coming on to the season that it's actually known for around Thanksgiving, is The Last Waltz. So I love the band. Love that concert film and listening to the record with all the guests on it. It's amazing. It's one of my top three to this day. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The Stones got a few uh, uh, live at Leeds. Get your yayas out. That's from the 69 tour. Um, yeah. Some really good, really good stuff there. So um, now we shouldn't fail to mention one of the greatest of all time, you know, and it does talk about Skinner just kind of relates, but uh Almond Brothers live at Fillmore East. Known to be if arguably the greatest live rock record of all time. Oh, I would totally agree with that. Phenomenal and then such a huge influence to, to so so many people. I mean, what, what else can you say? And that put Almond Brothers band on the map, really, with everybody, right? That was the one thing that yeah. really drove them home with the masses and started, I think, a big love affair with the band. Oh, for sure. Well, you know, and it's a good segue into our guests and uh, one returning, one new, uh, someone I've been friends with for a while and, and we're friends with, and that's Jennifer Lynn, uh, Jennifer Lynn and the Groove Revival and her guitar player, uh, business music partner, Richard Torrance. We got to talk to them uh, earlier and that was just a blast. It was, you know it's so interesting to hear about the rehearsal part of it, like really kind of listening, picking the songs apart, knowing there's these nuances here that, that, you know, you maybe can't replicate it perfectly, but to, to serve it, you know, justice to, you know, as close as you can. Yeah. They're doing a really cool thing is instead of doing the original blues rock stuff, they're going to do some shows of, of the Yalman brothers band live at the Fillmore. So that same set order and that in that order, they're going to play, of course, put their own little spin on it. Brian, I'm with you. I think I'm, it was real interesting kind of talking to them and how they put it together. How do they figure out what parts to do? You know, they're improvising, you know, what are the cues and things they need to do? Because a lot of the Almond Brothers band and a lot of the jam bands, you know, each show every night's different. They don't play the same song the same way every night. And it's a lot of how they're feeling. So we're Jennifer and Richard and the band going to go into, go into this run of shows doing the same thing. Yeah, you know, and it was also interesting, you know, uh, hearing about Richard's back backstory and history and music. Very, very impressive, to say the least. And always a joy to talk to Jennifer again. And uh, so you guys kick back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Jennifer Lynn and Richard Torrance from Jennifer Lynn and the Groove Revival. Keep straight all these lies. 
We're here at the guest segment of the podcast, and Jason's going to introduce our guests for y'all. And I'm always excited. One, we've got uh, a coming back, a returning friend, and then she's bringing a new guest with her from her band. And I hope my mind doesn't space out again, but welcoming back to the show, North Dakota blues legend, Jennifer Lynn, and also her bandmate, co-producer, and I think right-hand man, Richard. How are you guys doing? <laughs> All right. Thanks. Did I get that right? You did. You nailed it. <laughs> How's everything going in Bismarck? It's going good, you guys. Minus the weather starting to change. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Does the weather really change for you guys, or is it just like... <laughs> You know, that's really freaking cold and like, okay, but okay is like three months. Uh, that is so true. And um, let it be known that it was warmer in Siberia last winter than it was in Bismarck. <laughs> but they had a that's really fast. weird warm stretch there, right? Like there was some weird <laughs> thing going on. Still, it's the principle of it. I mean, come on. <laughs> you guys need to build like a gulag just to send everybody to then. <laughs> Maybe Siberia could outsource to you. That's right. I agree. Uh, yeah, could get some revenue from that. Let's do it. <laughs> all, all about the jobs and revenue for the state. Anyway, you can get it. <laughs> That's right. We'll take it. We'll take it. Brian, why are they here? Why are why is Jennifer back, and why is she bringing Richard with us? What, what's going on, you two? Yeah, what do you, what do you got? You guys got a uh, themed kind of uh, some shows coming up, some tributes. So if you could tell us all about that, that would be wonderful. Yes, yes. So we we have a tribute show that we have coming up. And um, we're paying tribute to the Allman Brothers Band. And uh, our show is called A Night at the Fillmore East because anybody who follows the Allman Brothers, um, their career knows that the Fillmore East, not only was it probably their best live album, but it's considered one of the best live albums of all time. So we're going to pay tribute to that album that the show kicks off with all of the songs in sequence, which there's seven of, because as we know, the Almond brothers like to stretch it out a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. It's a little improvisation. Yeah. Just a little bit. So we, uh, we kick off the show by paying tribute to that album. And then we kind of weave in and out of some of their classic songs throughout the night. So it's, it's going to be a really fun show. How does this come about? Like when, how long has this been in the planning or. Uh, good question. Well, we are a dual guitar band. Our band, Jennifer Lynn and the Groove Revival, is that's kind of our thing. We love the dual guitar stuff. So obviously, uh, the Almond Brothers is a big inspiration, even though obviously they're more of the Southern rock vein and we're kind of, you know, bluesy rock. It's all, you know. We, you know what? We take blues home. and Southern rock here in this podcast. Yeah, which is yeah. perfect. Yes. <laughs> but it came about because um, we kind of had this idea we've been kicking around to do themed shows uh, to kind of use it as a way to kind of get back out there in front of the crowds. Um, because in, in terms of our original music, we just have uh, two albums out right now. So it's not an entire collection for a night. So by doing the theme shows, we also incorporate a few of our original songs that have been inspired by the themed music that we're performing. And um, the Allman Brothers for us is just kind of like the pinnacle in terms of dual guitar stuff. So for us, it's a blast. We geek out. So, so have you guys incorporated any covers, Allman Brand covers in your normal sets? Uh, we, we have, yes. Um, actually, Quite a few of our shows will we'll throw in some Almond Brothers tunes. So it just kind of seemed uh, like a really fun transition to just actually have pay tribute to the Almond Brothers. And like I said, we do it kind of different. Right? We don't try to dress like them or 
um, have it sound exactly like them. I feel like paying tribute, in my opinion, is we still make it sound like us, but it's very much their music and kind of incorporating their style into our presentation of it. And yeah, it's, it's usually really fun. That's an interesting point. If I may throw in, there wasn't a girl in the original. <laughs> just, you know what? Greg, Greg had really nice long hair. He did. <laughs> he did. And, and he did have that female side in his work. Exactly. So, <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer, Jennifer thing, come you know. on. So, just grow a beard, Jennifer. That's all you got to do. No pressure. Yeah. No pressure. But if, you know, being an oldster myself and being around for the first time around when that album was released, you know, and falling in love with it way back then. And then having this opportunity to work with Jennifer and, and play these songs, uh, it's amazing. It's we're fun. having so much fun with the dual guitar stuff. I mean, we're, we're in the studio every single day working out our parts and honing them in. And uh, it's a good show. It's really a lot of fun. Even people that don't know who the Allman Brothers were are going to enjoy this show because mm -hmm. it's she sings so well. And the covers that we, I mean, the way that we produce and present the songs are just, uh, I think the audiences are really gonna enjoy it. Yeah. What I was gonna say is, uh, it's like Jennifer, you emphasize that it, it's a tribute, but not like an impersonation, you know? And that's yeah. like, I, I've, I'm i in guilty in the past of kind of like being critical of, of tribute bands, but it was more like the impersonators, where now yeah. if it's a tribute or a review, I'm more kind of open, open to that, so. Yeah. So that that's I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. Are they are they still using the term look alike? Is that what <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that. Oh, you guys yeah. are a look alike band. Yeah, band. yeah. we're not a look. Don't want to know. You, you don't want to know what they tell Brian. What Brian and I look like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's so fun too because um, you know some of my favorite bands, and I know you guys can echo this. Blackberry Smoke. I've seen them live several times, and they're. So and they, they do a good job of when they do kind of pay tribute, they'll have a couple songs, you know, that maybe they'll throw in there that are cover tunes, but they make it so much their own. It, it's just, you know, it's a fitting tip of the hat, which is kind of what mm -hmm. we consider this tribute show to be a tip of the hat to, to a band that has definitely inspired our music. So, yeah, well, and I, I think too, with the Allman Brothers band, because much like the Grateful Dead and, you know, a lot of a lot of these these bands that like to jam or improvise a little bit, none of their shows were ever alike anyways, right? Even they played the right. same, like they played them a little different. So the fact that you guys are going to put your spin, your take on it, I think means a lot and stays a lot more true that like if you try to play everything note for note on yeah. just like one particular show. Yeah. Yeah, we agree. And to be honest, it wouldn't be much fun because... I mean, there's a reason that the Almond Brothers were who they are. You know what I mean? So if you're going to try to replicate that, good luck. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Every band has their unique thing. And you just can't, you, you can't, you know, if someone could, they would, because then we would have, well, you know, a lot of duplications out there in the market of, of a really iconic thing. So, yeah. The neat thing about how we are, organizing the music that's going to be presented is um, the really important 
licks, the hooks that are so important to the songs that you would just hear and you go, oh, wow, that's the Almond Brothers, you know? Right. We are taking the time to work that stuff out note for note so that the dual guitar parts are are the thing that is, ah, oh, that, you know, the reminiscent part of it. It's just, oh, man, that's so good. But then when we get to the improvisational parts where they would stop and either uh, one of the guitar players would go off first 10 or 15 minutes <laughs> might not be that long yeah. we're, we've shortened some of that stuff up so that it's not yawn by the yeah. time you know like god is this guy ever going to stop soloing you know yeah we do at that point yeah. stop and move yeah. on we do understand there's a lot less drugs at events nowadays. yes yeah <laughs> so, boring. <laughs> so boring so <laughs> boring right absolutely like, we're talking to dudes who are playing, you know, in all these bands and stuff now, and like they're trying to get off of coffee and not drugs. And like, really? yeah, that's so boring. <laughs> yeah, let's be realistic. Come on, man. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah. So when you guys are in rehearsal, are, are are one of you taking Dickie's parts and the other one, Dwayne? Is it so specific? You stole my question, Brian. Dang it. <laughs> Dwayne. Yeah. R- Richard is a slide player. So, and he's good at it. So he, he definitely does the slide. And, and it's kind of funny because I've always joked, even when we were in the studio before we did this tribute, even with our own music, I always say to him, because Dickie bets to me, always came across as someone who kind of put some thought into what he played it almost like he had an idea before the show even began what his solo was kind of be going to be like or maybe I just I can't of course I don't know this but it, to me it came across like he wasn't flying by the seat of his pants as much as Dwayne is which is exactly right. us yeah I'm way more deal. methodical I have an idea of like what I'm gonna play and know yeah. what, where it's gonna go structure <laughs> unstructure <laughs> Richard so you're a man after my own heart <laughs> so it really it really works yeah so who else is in, in the band is it your regular band or like um uh, you have like the the Hammond organ in there for this. We do. Or? 
We, we do. We've got um, our band is now a five piece band. And so we do have someone on keys and her name is Barb Jiskra. So she'll be playing kind of the Hammond parts and some of the piano parts. And yeah, so she, she does that with her band on a regular basis. And then it'll be our usual drummer, Jim Anderson. And then we have a new guy on bass. He's definitely not new to the music scene, but he's new to our band, uh, Nolan Falcon. He's actually a phenomenal guitar player that, that also plays bass, which is really fun because when he, when he improvs on the bass, to me, it always comes across very melodic because yeah. he is such a good, he's a guitar player. Well, he's the jack of all trades. Yeah, basically. But yeah. because of the fact he, he has so much training and time spent on guitar, his bass lines come across in a very unique way that maybe someone who just plays bass might not approach it that way, which I think is really fun. So, yeah. And that really helps for the Allman Brothers stuff right. because mm -hmm. the bass parts within all of their yeah. music was so melodic. Yeah. Very and much. intricate. Yeah. Some of the, if you focus on the bass part on Blue Skies, yeah. it's unbelievable. It's another lead guitar it's player. A, yeah. It's almost a country song, but yeah. the bass part mm. is just all over the place, yeah. but it works. It does work. It's just amazing. And you don't even hear that it's busy because it just fits so mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So yeah, he, he is a, a, an amazing addition for this particular extravaganza that yeah, we're sure, participating yeah. in <laughs> that was that was gonna be my next question because obviously you know barry oakley wasn't just playing like a 12 bar runoff time he's doing yeah. all sorts did of he that. ever right, <laughs> right. that's bad the better question did he ever actually <laughs> now those guys were like there's some of those jazz backgrounds and stuff too like a lot of the band and that's yeah. where i think a, a big piece of their their sound and their live playing came from and the fact yeah. they did jam so much because they would go Again, take that jazz background and do the improvisation with it. Yeah. Yep. And you definitely hear that in the um, purely instrumental numbers, which has been really fun. It's, yeah, it's just been fun. I think I'm going to say that 20 more times before we're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and challenging. Yeah. And challenging. Yeah. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Was there and ever any thought of like, well, with the Almonds being uh, a two drummer band, was that ever proposed at all, or or then just decided not and works as fine without? Or um, yeah, well, our drummer he is kind of a beast and um, <laughs> in a good way, and so what what we kind of came up with, we were like, well, do we want to add another drummer or some sort of percussion? And the thought process we had it it was for Jim to just take what he feels to be kind of capturing the essence of the drums on each song. So he might like, for example, he's probably not playing what one drummer played, if that makes sense. He's kind of combining a little bit of what both drummers had in the song. And um, in rehearsing, it just works to the point where we're like, let's just do this. We'll kind of keep it with the original band that we have and, and run with it, which also makes it again, our own. Yeah. He truly is a phenomenal drummer, mm -hmm. very technically oriented. So when he goes into his woodshed <laughs> to figure out this that. stuff, yeah. he, you know, and, and then we gather <laughs> together for the rehearsal. Not only has he done his homework, but he is correcting us on, no, no, <laughs> that's not an eight bar passage there, guys. That'll be a four bar passage. And <laughs> We have to like calm him down, you know, because we're getting away from the structure a little bit, you know, remember they're improvisational, yeah. but we do have to have roadmaps. You yeah. know, we've got to have spots that we all go, okay, this is where we are in the song now. Yeah. Or there's a, there's a bar, there's a bar of five there. There's, you know, he's yeah. very good at 
making sure in terms of the, the groove, he's definitely the groove master. Yes. Well, going back to that too, and like you guys, you guys are going to have to play these instrumentals, but when you're doing them, are you timing everything out, like counting it or are you relying on somebody, Jennifer or somebody else, if they're taking kind of the lead to do an indication to, to time to move on? A little bit of both, depending on the song. Some of these instrumentals we've actually played together quite a bit already. Okay. So um, we kind of have our, our own feel. We kind of already know where everybody's going to be. But for these other ones, oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of looking around, <laughs> making sure that we're all, you know, like if someone's got their eyes closed, we're going to be like, hey, yeah, hey. yeah. <laughs> like, we need to all be on the same page. Because, yeah, the, I mean, it's easy for some of these songs to go sideways in a hurry just because oh, for they sure. are so, so intricate. But, yeah, we've everybody in our band is definitely type A when it comes to music. We we want to do the research and get it right. So that's nice. And so, yeah. far, so far we are, which has been been really fun for rehearsals. I remember, Jennifer, you saying before, like these days when you uh, want to book gigs or shows or whatever, it's, it, it's more successful. It's it, uh, if there's a theme so does that continue to be the case obviously um, it seems like kind of for us getting back into it that has really helped us um and from a marketing standpoint if we want to get really nerdy um we're not the only ones that do that like for example if we want to talk within the blues genre everyone obviously knows if you follow blues you know who uh, joe bonamassa is and for example, like Richard and I were actually just talking about this this week, Joe Bonamassa, for example, if you pay attention, because they're really smart on his marketing side, if he's going to a new location that he's never performed, they treat it like people might not know who he is, which makes sense, right? So you'll see sometimes when he markets himself, and I've observed this, where he goes to a location he's never been and it'll say the guitar event of the year. Joe Bonamassa, right? So they're focusing on the guitar event of the year, right? So that's kind of the theme, regardless if they, you know, say it's a theme or not, because he is going to play his music and do whatever he wants. And then when he goes back to a location he's already been, where people are really familiar with him, it's just, hey, Joe Bonamassa, we're back, right? You know, or something along those lines where the advertising is totally different. So I think it's really smart because if you're if you're in a band, people don't know you, you're going to a location you've never mm -hmm. performed before. And if I say Jennifer Lynn and the Groove Revival and that's it, they're going to be like, what's so special about that? I mean, let's be honest, we're all skeptics now. There's so much information coming at us on a daily basis. There's so many things we can do for entertainment without even leaving our house now. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard for people to take a risk on on a form of entertainment when they have so many different options. So, you know, as a band, if you can have some sort of a catch or something that other people maybe aren't doing or finding a way to be more descriptive of what you really do versus just using your band name, it really does help. It gives people a message about maybe something they can be excited about and be like, well, this is different. I want to do this. This is different versus doing the same old, same old thing. So we've tried to incorporate that. And we've been doing it now, like I said, with our theme shows for next year, that probably won't be the case. We'll probably find a different way to spin it because we'll have more original music coming out. But um, I mean, as far as as far as that, having a way to market yourself, it definitely really, really helps. And I will throw in that she is a genius at marketing. <laughs> I mean, just the explanation. Did, did that not show yeah. you something yeah. for explanation of for the sure. whole deal? 
And yeah. I will throw in one more thing that uh, as uh, Jen and I were plotting out how we were going to present ourselves in the beginning of 23, we got to the point to where we knew we didn't want to be a garage band. I mean, we're way too advanced for that. We didn't want to be a bar band again. We don't want to go back into the places where people walk in and go, oh, there's a bar here. Or, there's, there's a band here tonight. Wow, music. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and we're just the side event, you know. And that meant, okay, if we're not doing that, then what are we going to do? We're going to have to do ticketed events. We want people to pay money to come and listen to us. So they are there to hear us. And we can have an experience with them. Precisely. That's really yeah. how we view it is when, when people have skin in the game, which is a ticket purchase, <laughs> yeah. then they're coming for an experience. And that's why we want them there. We want them to leave with an experience. We feel that the shows we did earlier in the year, which we did another themed, which was the British invasion, because again, we're kind of a British rock is kind of our bread and butter. It's yeah. kind of where we. What's well, super blues based, right? You're yeah, talking about the stones and cream and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was great. People left with a great experience. Not only did they get introduced to our band, which was really fun. And we got some fans out of the deal, but even if, even if they didn't latch onto our band as something they want to continue following, um, they had a great experience. They had a great night. We had nothing but great feedback from people everywhere we went. And so it was a good, good run of shows. And we're expecting the same for the Allen Brothers. Whoever comes out, we're going to have a great night with them. It's all about the music and it's going to be going to be fun. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting perspective because it just, just kind of popped in my head and see if you can verify it. But if you advertise an event or a themed event like this, British Invasion, Allman Brothers Band, you're going to get fans who love the Allman Brothers Band come out. That's a more of a marketing opportunity for you and your band, too. It's like, hey, Jennifer Lim and the Groove Revival, they nailed this Allman Brothers stuff. I'm going to check out all their original stuff and be more likely to go see you play your originals, right? That's, yeah, that was our thought bubble that we yeah. were hoping would work. And by doing, like we said, we're, you know, kind of touching on what we said earlier, where it's a tribute and not a lookalike band, as we kind of talked about. Um, if they dig the Almond Brothers, there's a good chance they're going to like some of our stuff, which is, you know, we we try to pair these themed shows that are they're in our wheelhouse. It's not like we do a show for country music, even though I, you know, we enjoy country music. We're not a country music band, so we're not going to go out and do a country show just to make money off it, right? We want to have an experience with someone where they're like, just like you said, boy, you guys really did a good job with the Allen Brothers stuff. And then they start researching maybe us and realize they like some of our music. And hopefully that's kind of how that relationship starts. And then we can nurture it from there. So are you singing everything, Jennifer? Or? We do. Okay. Yeah. So either Richard or I will be be singing all the songs because there are just some songs that um a, guy, a, a man has to sing based on the topic matter and just you know we feel it would just come across in a wrong way if it wasn't a male voice that was that was singing the lyrics but uh yeah i am singing a lot of the the songs because the alma brothers songs for the most part i mean i feel like even though some of them were about women <laughs> It can easily be be spun to be about a man and absolutely take away nothing from the song. So we we were very careful to make sure that we were trying to stay true to the music they created by not watering it down by you know changing really important parts of a a song that would yeah. take away from the message. So 
And then we also have, uh, say for instance, um, Midnight Rider. We've added three-part harmony throughout and it's oh, really phenomenal. Oh, it's my favorite song. I just love <laughs> singing that song. Yeah, so definitely. the drummer is our third vocalist. Actually, all five of us can sing, but we're still in the early stages of figuring out what. So we just, Jim has been with us the longer and he was already singing parts with us. Mm -hmm. So we just said, we'll, we'll keep it at a three-part harmony stack. But yeah, it really sounds cool with three-part really harmony. Cool. Yes. Richard, are you staying true and authentic to the band and playing a Les Paul? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, my man. I got some fenders, but I'm a Les Paul guy. Nice. Yep. yep. Yeah, and I do have three uh, strats at home gathering dust because <laughs> for the last geez, well, yeah. Jennifer, four you play years. strats, right? Like you're a strat I, player. I play, I play strats and tellies. Yep. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fender girl. Which actually works really well because when when we made it official to to both be in the band together, you know, the last thing you want during a live show, during a recording is to have two guitars that tonally sound similar. So his really beefy Les Paul paired with my, you know, obviously somewhat tinny. Uh, twangy. Yeah, tinny, twangy, twangy Telecaster. <laughs> it's a really cool pairing on during live shows coming at you from both sides of the stage mm -hmm. or coming out of both sides of your headphones when you're listening back is, is fun. You can definitely hear the distinction between the two. When Warren Haynes joined the Elman Brothers Band, he was playing Strats first before he really switched over to Gibsons too. So even you do have some of that dynamic and some of the playing, at least in the history. Mm -hmm. Yep, mm -hmm. definitely. Yep. So I know the shows will do well and depending upon how they go, if you get like other offers to like to do this more often, is that something that possibly could become a, a regular thing or a semi-regular thing? Funny that you say that. <laughs> I, I think uh, we, we've talked about kind of our thoughts for next year. And, and to be honest, since we're in North Dakota and we're slightly geographically challenged in terms of, opportunities to get out and play despite the fact that we have quite a few locations in North Dakota that we're going to be performing during this run of shows um we kind of like the idea of keeping those theme shows as options because I think any good band should really diversify so we've thought about the idea of having you know those as options for private events maybe even some corporate things but in, but in terms of maybe next year taking that theme and kind of continuing on with it in different locations, I'm not sure necessarily that we would consider doing that because the last thing we want to do, like I said, is kind of become, then then you do kind of start taking on almost like a lookalike, even if you don't look like those people, you, you know, I feel like then it kind of takes away from the tribute concept. If you, if yeah. you do it a little bit too much, then it maybe becomes a little something else plus when we originally got together we were so focused on writing music we really enjoyed mm -hmm. writing music together and and we are good at it so the you know we don't want to diversify too much and then the original mm -hmm. music takes a back seat to it yeah. so yeah definitely. you know we want a good balance is is nice i mean mm -hmm. obviously I, I really enjoyed the british invasion because i learned those songs the first time they came out <laughs> and then again with the allman brothers you know i was just uh, you know i'm smitten with that music i could yeah. play it forever so it's kind of a dangerous because yeah if it gets really good 
mm-hmm. and we're starting to make a lot of money at it. Mm-hmm. Why not? But I, yeah, but I also think what is fun too is, as Richard said, keeping our primary focus, like any band that is in the creative realm where they're writing and composing and recording their own music should stay in that. We honestly need more of it in the world. We yeah. need more more people still contributing to original music, especially within our genre. But I mean, you haven't heard my band then, if you want to say <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Nice. <laughs> but I th- what I think is fun though, is at any time, we can say at a later date, so say we do start performing more original music and maybe we do start maybe having some venues where we're working into where original music is more accepted, then we can bust out some of these tunes right. that, that have been really fun during the theme and we can blow the dust off a few of them and bring them into our own show and incorporate that because again, they're very lateral in terms of the original music that we create. Absolutely. Is part of that too, like there's there's so much tribute bands going on now that, that there's like, I don't know, competition there or the money's up the water too much. Like, oh. so is there going to be like a balance of so many others are doing this, so let's lay off for a while or? Um, for, for, for us, it was always the plan mm-hmm. to do these tribute concerts as a way to get back out there with the people in a way that would communicate to them what they were going to get with the experience, but also, um, you know, throwing in our original music so we could either reintroduce ourselves to them or say, hi, this is what we do as well. If you would like to get to know some of our original music, but you are correct that the tribute thing has become like a big, (laughs) I look um, to where I grew up in Minnesota and there's tribute bands now doing all the things all the time everywhere. And so, but, but I look at things as cyclical. What's going to happen now is people that are real music goers are going to get tired of that. And some of them yeah. already are. Cause I hear comments sometimes online, like I want to hear more of your original music, you know, people, <laughs> it's, they, they will, it's cyclical. So they'll, they'll kind of be starting to crave more something new. So it, it all evens itself out. And you kind of uh, answered my follow-up questions kind of similar where, there's getting to be some artists that only only do that. And are we losing out or are they losing out an opportunity to, to get some original music out there as well? Yeah, honestly, yeah. But as we all know, that is where people really are in the trenches uh, because it it is easier to go with a slam dunk, which is something we know people are gonna enjoy, which, um, if we're being 100% honest, which is why we, we've been using the theme shows to get back out there because we want to have people come out to the shows and then obviously have our original music incorporated. So yeah, I do think that it's a slippery slope and um, some musicians, if they're doing it full time and you know you got a mortgage to pay and maybe you got some kids at home that you need to make sure there's food on the table, I'm absolutely not judging any musician for, for going that route because it's still fun. You're still making music with other humans. You're still picking up your instrument and performing music. So there's definitely nothing wrong with it. I think it's more along the lines of like, what is it that you really want to do with your music? And for us, we try to always, because it's easy to kind of veer off and be like, this is really fun, let's do it. But we got to come back to what we feel is our true intent, which is creating original music. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So we should talk a little bit about the your latest EP, Chipsy yeah. Soul. Yeah. 
yeah, that dropped in April and um, we had a really, really fun go with it. It did uh, really well on the Roots Music Report, um, which is basically the radio radio stations that are known to play blues. It peaked at number two, which was really fun. So we had a had a good run with that EP. And then um, the other really exciting part about releasing that EP was we could then take our first EP, because we've only released as a, as a band officially, Jennifer Lynn and the Groove Revival, as that band, we've officially only released two albums. I had two albums previous to that that we call the demos, because I, I was a trio then and it was very primitive and stripped down and me kind of getting my bearings. But the two, the two albums we have with Jennifer Lynn and the Groove Revival have been two EPs. We sandwiched them together to make a full length vinyl, which just actually came out the beginning of this month. It hasn't been released officially to the public yet. It's only kind of like in our community of fans. And so um, that's been really cool because we we found when we when we got the vinyl pressings back and listened to them. And now granted, these are songs that we've been playing for a long time already, songs that we've been listening and hearing back for quite a while already. We are a vinyl band. I, I, there's no way, no way else to say it. The music just came alive, and it wasn't just the nostalgia of the needle hitting, hitting the vinyl. It was just like our band. I'm like, there we are. Yeah, it just, it just not that there's anything lost on CDs. I guess you can say, but it for me, it just felt like the entire band was wrapping around me like a nice warm blanket. <laughs> <laughs> it just was a really great feeling. So, so that was really fun. So when uh, Jennifer, when you were on the first time, you talked about how Richard came in the band, and so if we can get Richard's uh, version of it or not version, oh, we're fact but checking. Experience. We're fact checking the <laughs> first interview. I see it. <laughs> no, not fact checking, just like uh, his interpretation <laughs> of it. And how do you all uh, get together to be in a band? Oh boy, I, 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 we have talked about this so much, Jennifer and I have, and it, it's. Uh, it is a long story, but <laughs> to give it to you in, in a briefer synopsis, it would be uh, um, <clears throat> I was working in a church for as a worship and music minister, and this is more than 10 years ago, yeah. and um, she heard of me through another musician and wanted to find out what it was all about because I was producing the contemporary Christian style of worship as opposed to traditional, and, <clears throat> and she showed me her uh, at that point, acoustic guitar chops. And and I thought, okay, well, <laughs> I need some work, but what do you got? <laughs> what else you got going there? Ago. And then she sang me a song and I went, whoa, okay, let's see what else we can do here. And, and she was kind of focused on new country at the time mm -hmm. and singing a lot of the female vocalist songs. A lot and, of Taylor Swift, I'm guessing, Jennifer. I, no. no, no, no. Not that I don't like Taylor, <laughs> but no, not, not. Is she not really country anymore? anymore? She hasn't been country in no. like 15 years. She crossed over a long time ago. Yeah, I agree. And it wasn't long before I I just noticed the bluesy side of her voice. And I just said, have you ever tried singing, singing the blues? And she said, well, like what songs? And so I played her some Susan Tedeschi stuff. And There you go. Yeah. And, and she said, wow, that's pretty nice stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so she started learning some and then she she just became a sponge yeah. she wanted to learn how to play lead guitar I gave her lessons she became my student I became her mentor and then one day she said you want to do a gig <laughs> so this is so I, long ago I, I love it this is great <laughs> sure why not you know I mean I do have a 
quite a wealth of knowledge on songs. So it was basically sitting down and go, all right, what songs do you want to play? And we worked up, you know, the 30 songs that you got to have in your pocket to go and do a gig. Mm -hmm. And then we just uh, really struck up a great friendship. Mm -hmm. And it's we've been playing on and off. We did take, I did take some breaks from it, but always seemed to come back. Yep. And, uh, and when we really got serious, she, um, proposed that we form a partnership, a business partnership, and then it, it would reflect in our royalties when they, when they come in and uh, just being you know, organized, like being organized. Our, this our woman is very organized. Songwriting production. But yeah, when, when Richard actually, cause I was singing a, a Travis Tritt soon. I'm a uh, song. I'm a huge Travis Tritt fan. Always have been. And if you know, he's very bluesy. Yeah. He's very country blues. If, country music would be cool enough to have some genres which they just can't seem to embrace but anyway um, um, you don't like, like country rap right now yeah yeah right? oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um he was like you keep singing seventh notes and I didn't even know what that was at the time but when he pointed it and explained it to me I'm like well that makes sense because I did grow up listening to so much uh different music as a kid a lot of lot of British blues, a lot of blues yeah. rock, and then of course Hendrix and Janis Joplin and things that were coming out of America, and that was all stuff that I kind of gravitated towards. So yeah, with his encouragement, it just kind of I was like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. And, it, and then songwriting became easier. Everything just became easier when I kind of figured out and identified really with the the style of music for me that really resonated. So yeah. So it's in this fault. part, in this partnership, the, what she brings to the table is exactly what my shortcomings are. The, the things that I struggle with the most, I can do them, yes, but she brings to the table the things that her strong points are my weak points, my strong points are her weak points. That's so right. it, the collaboration is like nothing I've ever experienced. And I was in L.A. for a long time. I had two record deals. And I've written a song that went worldwide and it still is covered by people to this very day. And that was written more than 50 years ago. To be Well, you got to tell us what it is. Huh? You got to tell oh, us what it is. Oh. They didn't do their homework. No, they didn't, they didn't know. Listen, you guys, you haven't listened to our podcast. We don't do any homework. <laughs> we talk to people like it's the first time you met anybody. in a, like, like, honestly, it. like we don't. You I tell like us that. about your stuff. That's why as it should be. Like as that. it should be. Okay, my name is Richard Torrance, and I had a recording contract with Shelter Records, which was Leon Russell's label back in the 70s. That was my first deal from 1972 to 1974. And then I was cut loose because Shelter went belly up because they were spending more than they were making. Hmm. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to sign a contract with Capitol Records, and I was with Capitol Records for five years. And... Um, it was wonderful. I wrote a song called Rio de Janeiro Blue. I recorded five albums with Capitol, one of them being a live album. And um, it was a fabulous time. Unfortunately, I never got that secret combination to have that hit single. But I did get a lot of airplay and I, I still have fans all over the world. I'm getting fan mail and, you know, our website nice. is obviously combined and, you know, linked together so that if people are looking me up, they will say, oh, well, this is a new project he's involved in now. So yes, to all my fans out there, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. It's solid. 
I'm yeah. here. I'm not going to go solo. So, so, Brian, when you post this episode title, make sure Richard's name is bigger and on top. Of <laughs> just to attract. I didn't think you. You're picking up on me now. Do it. My brothers. Do my it. brothers. I have like his photo in like my head going like this. <laughs> right. We got happier face on here. Maybe a little yeah. hair. That's about it. Crop her out, Brian. That was going to be my next question because when Jennifer was on before, she kind of gave us a little rundown of what you had done, and we were pretty yeah. like pretty impressed. So, um, wanted to hear hear some more about that. Um, well, it's also nicer when the person talks about this stuff than Brian and I reading off our notes pages yeah. or something yeah. too, and then totally gives agree. us more questions to ask. Anyways, totally when, agree. When you were with Shelter, did you witness any of that? time when 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 tom petty when they were mud crutch and they came out and they stopped in tulsa at, at uh i can't yeah. danny cordell had the, the oh he's got something i can see in his face <laughs> had, had like the studio in oklahoma and he said he hit him off at the pass and then they they got better there and don't tell anything you'll be shanked for no and so, so really forth down the line i i have first of all i have nothing but respect and admiration from tom for tom and all of the members of the Heartbreakers, because yes, I knew them all when they were Mudcrutch, because they were all, if, if you know anything about Shelter Records, they didn't have a business building. They had this cool little office on Hollywood Boulevard that was a house. And you walked in, it had a porch, and there was always <laughs> someone hanging around outside the porch, drinking, drinking whatever. You know, yeah, you walked fun. in and Denny had an office way in the back. Leon had an office too, but he was never there. But uh, yes, when uh, um, Tom went and recorded that first album, it was in a business office directly next door to him. The, the recording equipment was set up willy-nilly all over the place. Wires and shit, sca- sorry, and stuff. You can cuss. No, okay. you can cuss. It's good. We, okay. we encourage and, it, to be honest with you. <laughs> The uh, mixing council was in the same room as the band. It was really oh, good. <laughs> and, uh, and Breakdown, they recorded Breakdown in that room. And then that went so well that I believe that they moved over to a studio. But I think at least half of that first album may, be, may have been recorded in that business office, which is a real sterile recording thing. And Dwight Twilley was recording with them. <clears throat> and this engineer said, you guys have been jamming on that little lick, you know, that bump, 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 bump. And, and yeah, we love that stuff. And, and Dwight was there and he goes, yeah, you need a hook over the top of it. And his, what I was told was Dwight just went, how about something like this? And they all went, that's and it. That, that, that's what we want, you know. And the song just went crazy after that, you know. But yes, I did know those guys. They were great people. And there was even a point right before they left shelter when um i'm having a senior moment on the the keyboard player's name from the heart ben Kench. benmont thank you um audition for my band eureka my name my band's name was richard torrance and eureka and he was considering leaving the band and we heard about that through some people at shelter and we said god no question get him over let's audition him you know <laughs> and see if he would be interested at all and it was kind of fun. I mean, it was certainly different because he was so bluesy and we were more of an Eagles type country rock still. You know, we we rocked out a lot, but a lot of our stuff was more, I guess, on the country side of things. A little bit, you know. yeah. Um, 
Poco, Eagles, that kind of influence. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, that was uh, a lot of the California sound, too, at that time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then we were playing at uh, Doug Weston's Troubadour, and Benmont came to visit us there, and he said, you know, he looked me in the eyes and he said, I'm convinced that my rock and roll band is going to be the best rock and roll band in the world. So no, I'm not going to join your band. And I said, okay. <laughs> Gosh, he was right. <laughs> he was right. You know, does that make you feel better? The fact that he was right in, in like not going out into like oblivion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, the fact that they did get as big as they did, and and the songs that Tom wrote and yeah. I mean yeah. all of them, you know, they, they were they were definitely an American rock and roll band, you know. Wow. I also know Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks before they joined Fleetwood Mac too. But that's a whole other story. We're, <laughs> we're here to promote this lady. Well, Richard's going to come back next. Maybe yeah. we are cropping Jennifer you out. Sorry. We're going to edit her out, Brian. This you is should. <laughs> you should bring him back, honestly. What I love to promote. What I love to promote here is the new energy that she brings to the stage and the old energy of my experiences on the stage. And I still have a lot of energy. I still love bouncing around her and He's, getting in her face. Don't and, let him fool you. He is the energizer buddy. He has more <laughs> energy than our entire band combined. <laughs> well, That's not a joke. Uh, we look like we are loitering. <laughs> when we're on stage with him because he's just loitering going. <laughs> it's, a good, yeah. it's such a great cross complimentary thing that the jennifer that you have richard the man with everything he's done and that he's playing with you like you're on that level like he's yeah right on so it's very cool oh, yeah we we have so much fun and our our band is i mean our drummer was has toured with so many people he toured with tommy johnson one of the original uh, doobie brothers members one of the founders um barb is no slouch she's toured all over as well and been a part of many successful uh bands over the years and so nolan and i are the the babies and yeah. nolan nolan came from uh gypsy foot if you're familiar with the band gypsy foot they were a really big deal in north dakota back in the day did did really well to the point they honestly probably had a chance of breaking out had they decided they wanted to pursue it their music is fabulous yeah so go to go down the gypsy foot rabbit hole for those of you guys that like the almond brothers and jam bands because they're absolutely phenomenal obviously they're they're no more but um, yeah, so Nolan and I are the babies in the group. So we uh, have three we oldsters and it. two youngsters. Yeah, it's fun. We and the combination, it. because everybody knows, uh, well, especially the youngsters, they've studied all of the oldsters' music so well that when we get together to play this stuff, it feels like there is no age barrier. No. You know, it just, no. it feels like we're all one age. Yeah, you know, we're all fun. experienced and we have a good time. Just great players in this band. Yeah. Second Love it. Brian, I got a quick question for him. I'm going to go, go back to the Almond Brothers band stuff real fast. What's been the hardest song for you guys to put, kind of put together as a band and learn from that set? I would have to say for me, it's been uh, Jessica. Would you agree? Interesting. Yes. For me, that one that one has been the toughest. The, the instrumentals, uh, just there's some instrumental passages there that are i mean everything flows together don't get me wrong but it catches one a little off guard when you're first learning it where it just seems to transition a little bit more abruptly than some of their other instrumental pieces 
where you kind of have to remember like, oh, okay, this is where we transition almost like it modulates, but it doesn't, but it kind of feels that way when we're playing it yeah. just because there's so many kind of abrupt passages that <laughs> were, let's just put it this way. If you were to forget that it's coming by the time you realize that it's already over. So <laughs> that is the bad <laughs> thing. That, oh, was that that? Oh, it's already yeah. gone. We missed oh, it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But also, let me let me just say for all of the music nerds out there. All right. So in structure, you've got verse, chorus, sometimes a bridge, and you go back to those places. You know, mm -hmm. verse structure, uh, verse, verse, chorus, solo, verse, verse, chorus, solo, maybe or whatever. Each time those guys went back to one. They put a new lick in. Yeah. They mm -hmm. but it was just modified a little bit from the first one. Yep. So now, you know, here's this 73-year-old mind going, oh, which, <laughs> which one was that? And like she said, then it's gone. So after a while, you really what we are finding, because we learned this stuff for a while and then we went away from it. And now we're coming back to it and relearning it. Mm -hmm. You let your muscle memory remember the stuff and you don't use your brain anymore it's yeah. got to be muscle memory and subconscious yeah. because if you start thinking what lick goes here you're gone yeah well and it's actually been fun with with these tribute and especially since now our other tribute that we did the british invasion focused on basically a genre right so we had several different palettes to kind of pick from where the tonality was maybe similar but different bands we're, we're doing this deep dive into the Almond Brothers. It's really made me understand things that just I felt that now I can put into words in terms of why they were so good. I mean, they could literally just take what, what is a traditional 12 bar blues song yeah. and add just little different things that maybe one wouldn't necessarily think to do that make the song so much more dynamic, make it so much more interesting, so much more colorful in terms of just like even some of the chord choices that they would throw in there in a mm -hmm. blues line. Yeah, so it's, it's it, by doing this show, it's really been, for me, really fun to dive kind of headfirst into just, just the instrumentation portion of yeah. their work is really cool to the point where it's like, well, there, now we know what it is about them that I love so much. It's these little nuances that you dive into and you're like, oh, okay, let's make it complicated when it's an <laughs> easy song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been fun. Richard, for you, is there anything that's been tough? Well, uh, yeah, well, first of all, Dwayne's slide playing. And, oh yeah, you know I, I did doing research on it and finding out that he played both open tuning and standard tuning. Mm -hmm. He would just switch from whatever guitar he was playing to whatever guitar. I don't know because I've never talked to anyone close enough to him to know whether he actually everything always like no that song I always play open tuning or if it's just yeah. like, he did a lot oh, of I've open E guitar. didn't he like a lot of open E open E yeah yeah that's what I'm doing the majority of these songs are in fact all of them when I'm playing slider and open E there's but I also have learned slide because I wasn't the type of a guy could who could always have a second guitar in open yeah. tuning yeah. so yeah. I started learning stuff in standard tuning and um, I was able to get my way around that pretty pretty well too but then. Once I knew that, oh, this is definitely what we're going to do, then I made sure that my Les Paul, Les Paul had his tone, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that I was using the right tone pedals to, to, you know, acquire that sound, that sustain, that crunch, that drive. Yeah. And then 
hearing the difference when you strap on an open tune and start playing the licks and that's how they played that lick you know and so obviously i'm never going to play it on standard tuning again because open really works so yeah and that one the probably the hardest song for me to learn well in you know as far as melodic structure and lines what you were saying jessica was hard but um um I think it's the instrumentals, Hot Lanta was oh, yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of so stuff in there. And, Same with Elizabeth Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Reed is just so many little nuances that you hear and you go, oh, I gotta get that. You know, that's important. Right. So we spent a lot of time just digging yeah. it, tearing it apart, putting it back together again, figuring out how it was done. I think we did a really good job. Yeah. I mean, we got it really and, authentic. And what I think is really cool too, and I and I feel that again, this is something that differentiates a tribute to a lookalike. It still very much sounds, regardless of the fact, and you know, this is a guitar player thing. We could go off on an entire episode just on this. But but for example, if Dwayne was still alive and he came and picked up Richard's guitar with all the settings that he has going on, it's still going to sound like Dwayne Allman. And what I think is cool is like Richard just said, he's he's kind of trying to make sure he captures kind of that iconic tone and certain things about Dwayne's uh, like the open tuning, etc. But it still sounds like Richard, which I think <laughs> is really cool, which to me, that's that is what a tribute is. It's someone basically, again, tipping the hat to someone like Dwayne Allen, who, who we all know was an amazing guitar player, but it's still very much, to me anyway, very much sounds like Richard, even though it's still kind of got that cool Dwayne with the tunings and like you said in the Les Paul and with some of the pedals that you're using, it very much rings true to the style that he, he hmm. presented with his slide play. What she said, <laughs> thank you. That's yeah. a nice compliment. Yeah, yeah. It's still, it's still you on the guitar. Um, we have a friend, a, a guest that's been on a couple of times. I don't know if you, if you've heard about on the, on the episodes before, but this guy, Andy Aildor, he need rights for guitar world sometimes, but what's his, what's his friend of the almonds? Is that his? Yeah. Yeah. Friends. Uh, yes. Friends of the almond brothers. Yep. I just think like he's a wealth of information on that. Well, he played with yeah. Dickie Betts and Dickie Betts solo band for a long time. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Nice. And then he's friends with Alan Paul, who also like edits uh, Guitar World and everything else. And those guys have done a couple uh, Allman Brothers band books together. And Alan Paul just released one. Brian, I think Brian's going to grab it uh, a couple couple months ago. And it was all about the uh, time period right after Dwayne died. There it is. Sure. It's cool. called the Brothers and Sisters. You know, that for that that time of that record came out. I mean, it's great. So mm -hmm. if read up on that, they're really, really good books. Mm. Cool. He wrote one way out, which is like the history of the Allman brothers. And then this last one, brothers and brothers and sisters. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for the heads up. I do. <laughs> I'm kind of a nerd. So that book, those books sound like they're right up my alley. <laughs> oh yeah. Super good. And especially, you know, I know you're studying it now, but like, um, Richard, you said that you've always been an Allman Brothers fan. It's it's good, and those guys are really good writers, and certainly check it out. Excellent. Nice. Yeah, we'll do. Cool. Look at Brian working in, in the cross-promotion with some of our guests. <laughs> yeah, all right. Smart. We should get a cut of those sales, man. <laughs> <laughs> Send them this episode. You're welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alan Paul and Andy Aldort with, like, a, you know, a bill attached to it. That's right. I like it. <laughs> 
is there any uh, original music that's being worked on that, that we haven't heard yet or might be coming out in the future? Or <laughs> We both look at each other with that smile. Yes, uh, we're, we're always working on new stuff. We're literally probably about halfway through writing uh, our next album, and that one will be full length. And um, the problem is always just kind of finding time. Um, but yeah, we're about halfway through that. We're currently in the process of mixing and mastering a live album from kind of this year. That's our goal is to kind of capture more of the live setting too, which is really fun. And, um, but yes, the, the hopes and plans, if everything goes as planned, will be to release a, a, a 10 song original album as well as a live album next year. For this run of Allman Brothers shows, Mm -hmm. Are there going to be any live streams, recordings, anything that like so if somebody doesn't live in the Dakotas like myself can get a chance to see you guys? Um, that would be awesome. <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> I, I, it's a great idea. Like right now, we're kind of just in the treading water phase, just trying to make sure that we can put together uh, a really great show for the people that come out for it. Because because of the fact for this run of shows, because we are we are doing so many shows in North Dakota, which um, we've got a show in Bismarck at the Bell Mayhews. We have that show at TAC, which I know it's not North Dakota, but it's uh, North Dakota adjacent. We've got Grand Forks, we'll be performing there at the Empire. We've got Minot, we'll be uh, performing at the Minot State University and Nicole Nelson Hall. And we've got uh, Jamestown will be, be performing at their Ryland Fine Arts Center, which is on the University of Jamestown campus. So where I'm going with that is because we, we really wanted to make the rounds and visiting a lot of our fans in the state of North Dakota that have been with us for a long time now that we're back performing. Um, we've been have, having to do the DIY situation because of the fact that we don't really want to do the bar scene because I feel like it, it, not that, again, there's nothing wrong with people that are doing the bar scene, but for the type of music we like to do, and we just want to make sure that the people that want to come out to hear it can hear it <laughs> over all the craziness that can go on under bar. We've had to really create our own venue scene. And as a result of that, there's just so many irons in the fire right now. It would be awesome if, if we were able to make that happen. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll have the logistics set up to do that. Yeah. Unless someone volunteers. Yeah, it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. If we need a videographer to yeah. come in. Um, yeah, so the nice anyone thing out is, there? is we do the recording. Uh, I mean, the sound mixer that we have that's going to be traveling with us does have the recording capacity. Mm -hmm. So all we have to do is ask them to record it and it'll be there. And then we'll have. Right off the soundboard. Yeah. 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 A yeah. lot of venues too will live stream stuff. So if you guys end up finding out about that or whatever, let us know or else we'll try to link it through our Facebook page or Instagram so I, we can also kind of share it with our audience too. Yeah. Not to mention, I would watch the hell out of that if I had a chance. <laughs> oh, well, that's really cool to know. Yeah, it, it's definitely something to be 100% honest. At some point, we would like to have the capability to do that even on our own. Just because we do have a lot of fans overseas that unless we go over there, we're probably never going to get to you know, uh, physically be with them for a show. And it would be really cool to be able to incorporate our fan base, which we have, our fans are awesome. You know, we might be a small indie band out of North Dakota, but we have people that follow us not only all over the U.S., but all over the world. And there's some of the, literally the most awesome people 
that, you know, if I was in their town, I'd probably want to sit down and have a beer with them. They're that kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. those kind of people. So yeah, it would be really cool if we had the technology to be able to do that. Cause I'm sure they would really enjoy that as well. We chat or discuss about the muddy rivers blue society. Yeah. Yeah. So after, after 16 years in, in um, Bismarck, we had a blue society called the muddy river blue society they were a society for 16 years, and um, this this year was the last year. They just had a, a big show that they did at the Bell Mayhus. Uh, Joanna Connor was the featured performer, the headliner that evening. Uh, we had the pleasure of opening for her, and she's not only an amazing artist, but a super down-to-earth person, so that was really fun. But yeah, unfortunately, the Muddy River Blues Society is no more because if anybody knows anything about running a nonprofit, especially like a Blues Society, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And um, it really takes kind of, uh, it's, it's just like a, a band. It takes a village. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work for people to commit to. And they decided as a society that it was time for them to kind of step aside and, and let the Blues Society go. Well, I just want to thank them for everything they've done. That that's that's Absolutely. very, very, very cool. Uh, yep. Yeah. What they've done for everyone. Hey, Jason, did you know? Did we do a lightning round with Jennifer last time? So, do you guys have time for a lightning round? If we do, like with sure. Richard, or sure, let's do a lightning round. Let me throw a couple. Okay, I'll throw that's a couple terrifying. stupid questions at you guys. Okay? okay. We're right around Halloween. What is your all-time favorite Halloween candy? Oh. For me, it's Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, good, good choice. <laughs> yeah, Any, yeah. I don't have a big sweet tooth. I'm not a big chocolate guy, but if you throw something with peanut butter with it, I am hey, all we're in. We're addicts. On that. It's literally yeah. a addicts. We bring peanut butter with us on the road. <laughs> we do. Hell yeah! I, it's, yeah. it's protein. It's yep. tasty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like protein and it's a little bit of a treat too because yeah. you know, you get a little yeah, exactly. to it. Yeah. What is the worst? What is the worst Halloween candy you could give somebody? Oh God, anything healthy. Let's be honest. <laughs> just, no. just don't, especially no. with kids. I mean, come on. It's one day that they get to just cut loose and be the kids. plastic corns. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, oh, like candy corn made. things. Cut them out. Those are pretty just gross. Stop them from production. <laughs> just stop. stop don't. Those are bad. So like true. the little Smarties, like the little rolls of smart Smarties, like the really chalky kind of like Necco <laughs> wafers or something. What is that's not candy? I don't know what that is, man. It's like flavored chalk. I think that's, what <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just not cool. Not cool at all. You can pat this. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, give us three artists or band outside the Almond Brothers that you have either streamed or listened to recently. Oh boy, boy, this is going to be a long list. Okay, I'll start. Humble Pie. Good, mm. good, great choice, great choice. Sly and the Family Stone. Oh. Ooh, and fun. I'll add something more current, and that is going to be Blackberry Smoke because I absolutely love that band. Yes, down. Those guys are just amazing. Have you heard the two new songs off the upcoming record? Uh, my husband has. He's also okay. a big Blackberry Smoke fan. He tells me more about what's going on with that band, which I think is great. He just loves their music like I do. So. Bonamassa. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Did you the, like Blues Deluxe too? That new one that he just put out? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, I follow the music he releases. He's got a lot of good stuff. And his production is always just, I mean, it's top, top notch. So, so Richard, you said Bonamassa. Who else you got? <sighs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the pressure. I can feel I, it. Yeah. I can feel it. Well, like. it's got to be something that I was recently listening to, right? And so I'm. <laughs> I haven't been listening to anything else but us and the almond. <laughs> okay, that's time. that's a good stuff because you guys are me. getting ready. Yeah, we you're like you're studying. We had three yeah. though as a team, so we'll, we'll yeah. Get that right. <laughs> okay, that's cool. What's the worst guitar either of you have owned? Oh gosh, you first. Uh, the worst guitar I've ever owned uh, was probably the first guitar I ever owned, which was an acoustic guitar. That I think um, it was, of course, as every parent would do, it was a little more low end because let's be honest, no one wants to invest a bunch of money and then have their kid be like, I don't want right. to do this. It never stayed in tune, ever. <laughs> How <laughs> high was the action? I'm guessing pretty damn high. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely at a degree to the point where I think any, my parents were actually really supportive of my music aspirations as a kid. That being said, I'm 100% positive if a parent gives knowingly gives their kid a guitar with like a really high action they don't want him to play that guitar let's be honest because <laughs> you can't it's just impossible. you can't play a bar chord that's for sure without like <laughs> no. breaking your fingers off no no what about you worst worst well you know <laughs> i've been playing guitar for nearly 60 years now so there have been so many terrible <laughs> guitars yeah of course. and a lot of beautiful ones too but I, I would say the worst one my dad took me to new york and I, I was just pounding him you gotta buy me a guitar and manny's music in new york was this huge music star famous worldwide and so we gotta go to manny's music store and buy this guitar for me and i'm pretty sure the brand name was a dan electro which they do make good guitars they do, yeah, yeah, yeah good this was it a 12 like them <laughs> this was a 12 string down electro and i don't think any of the uh, technicians in that particular business knew what they were talking about when they made the 12 string guitar because it literally was first of all on a 12 string guitar that's twice the pressure so the neck yeah. was literally bending you know i don't yeah. even there was a truss rod in the neck but the action was so high that it literally was not playable <laughs> You know, my dad was okay. Here's your go. Here you go. And I brought it all, and I'm so excited. I'm like, yeah! <laughs> no chords above the eighth fret. You know, just the first position is out of the question. And I was trying to play "Fairy Cross the Mersey" because that was the one song that the twelve string just <laughs> sounded so beautiful. Remember Jerry and the Pacemakers? That's how far I go back. Okay, so I'm playing this song, and I can all oh, You know, it was. But he Pathetic. persevered. I did. <laughs> did that's why it. I have arthritis in this hand. <laughs> Probably from that guitar. <laughs> just out of spite. Just arthritis yeah. out of spite yeah. for everything. <laughs> awesome. Uh, my last question for you both. We're going to make it Allman Brothers Band related. So if if you could, it's going to be two parts, and you guys are going to both answer this separately. One, if you could play with any incarnation of the Allman Brothers band, which one would it be? And two, what song would you absolutely want to be on stage playing with them? And Jennifer, we'll start with you. Gosh, for me, it would absolutely be the original version of the Allman Brothers. Because I'm a little biased, although every iteration they've had has been great. And for me, it's it's um, it sounds really maybe cliche, but it would be Stormy Monday for me. Honestly, wow. classic blues, classic blues. Because yeah. Greg's phrasing on that song is not where you would, for me as a singer, even when I try to sing with him, it's 
I would never phrase it the way he did. He just had a very unique way of, of phrasing, especially in that song. So yeah, so there you go. That would be mine. Mm. Yeah, the pressure's on. <laughs> I like that. Um, yes, I agree with her. It would be the first um, incarnation of the Allman Brothers band. I would just to be on stage with those, the the brothers and that guitarist and Dick. I mean, Dickie Betts. Wow. Uh, and the song. First of all, I would go over and I would get on my knees and I would say, Greg, if you would let me sing this song for you, I would really be happy. <laughs> then it would be one way out. Yeah. And I would want to play slide and sing it. Yeah. Man, Blackberry Smoke and, does a good job then, covering that song. And then after they got done in their hysterical laughter after I finished it, <laughs> I'd, I'd slither off the you stage and wave song. them goodbye. He's being modest. He they would never that. do that. Those guys appreciated all musicians. I, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think there's any beating the original lineup, but man, I tell you what, at the end with Warren and Derek and stuff, they were, they were pretty fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I also, um, one, I just really like Warren, Warren Haynes and government mule. And yeah. I, I really enjoy his songwriting, but I mean, think of like what Derek trucks has taken yeah. now, granted, you know, everyone's interpretation of an instrument is different but think about what he literally in my opinion is a, i mean if that guy wasn't so modest he would be on the cover of every single guitar magazine <laughs> he's just i i saw tedeschi trucks fan live uh last summer i literally i think me with any other musician in there just left and was like even lays back a lot you know he can do a lot more but he's letting the band like he's the band it's not him exactly he he gets it he and susan get it it's about the music and that's why their shows are so great that's why they're such a great band but he could smoke anybody right now if he oh. wanted to after seeing him play live and seeing him play without uh slide so basically playing traditional yeah. and also with the slide it was like oh my gosh i had no idea you know because you don't really get it, it that doesn't come through when you listen. he doesn't show off so you never really know oh. like how, how crazy good he is crazy good like literally they they uh los lobos opened for them which is also was it the wheels of soul tour that you're yes. on? I, I watched that same yeah i watched that tour with los lobos yep Fabulous. And then at the end, they, you know, they're very generous. So they bring out, um, they had all of Los Lobos out and then they were kind of, those musicians were kind of filtering out at the very end of the song. And one of the lead guitar players for Los Lobos, because they have several, um, was playing a solo and, and this came very much off the cuff to me. And that's, so I'm going to stick with, that's how I think it was. But literally in the middle of this guy's solo, because he was playing a really tasteful solo, but where he was and what he was playing was somewhat, you could kind of see where he was going to go next. Derek Trucks just started harmonizing with him on guitar. And I was like, oh my God, like seriously. he's That's God-given talent right there. Yeah, though, you know? he's, he's hearing where he's going to go and he's harmonizing. What I mean, it was almost to the point it was note for note. And I was like, okay, just... Yeah, she tells I'm me put my guitar down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's telling me some of these stories. Of course, I'm a fanatic of Derek Trucks playing, and you know, I mean, again, I can't say enough about it. The guy is just so unique. I've never heard another player like him again. But anyway, she's telling me about her experience, and she went with a friend, a lady yeah. friend of hers. She said at one point she leaned over to Jennifer and said. So this is like a musician's band, right? <laughs> and I was like, yep. And, she, she, and she's not a musician. She's like, I still dig it. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, even like Los Lobos, those are all great musicians. Yep. And like, I think, you know, of course, their big hit was a cover song, right, for La Bamba and all that. But right. if you're a musician, you really appreciate what those guys do, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The whole the whole show from start to finish with all the bands was was great. It was actually. Did really you have cool North band. Mississippi All Stars with that too, or was it or was nope. Los Lobos and somebody else? It was um, there the keyboard player that actually plays keys in um, in Tedeschi Trucks, uh, Gabe Dixon. He was the very first band. He he had a trio. He performed. He's he's fabulous in his own right. And then Los Lobos, and then it was Tedeschi Trucks to close the night. Yeah, it was a great, great evening of music. Was that a blue stem? Yes, it was. Okay. It was yeah, fabulous. I didn't make it. It was a great location for that band because just the acoustics in there and all just, you know, the space for, you know, how many people were up there at one time? Probably like 20 at one point at the end of the night. It was, it was great. Oh, yeah. And I think spiritually they're carrying on from where the Allman brothers left off. That's actually, I couldn't say it better myself. I think not only are we seeing that with Derek's playing, like he kind of took what Dwayne had done, which I also feel was very pioneering, took that and carried it, carried the torch and added his flair to it. And now they're doing it with their band. It's, it's cool. cool yeah. One of the best live bands out there. And the Allman Brothers are one of the best live bands of all time. And to have you guys go out and replicate this music or, or do your version of the music, one, you have to be really incredible musicians to be cover, to be able to cover stuff. That's why we do our own original stuff, because we're not good enough to play covers. But anyways, <laughs> to, to kind of bring this home, like you guys are going out and playing the stuff of one of the greatest live bands of all time and you guys kill it yourself so super excited for you guys to see how this turns out and hopefully catch some snippets on the internet where do we send people to find out more about your band about this run of shows like where should they turn to awesome well our band name is jennifer lynn and the groove revival and if someone visits jlynn and the groove revival.com i know it's a long web address you'll be able to find to find us. If you just even Google Jennifer Lynn and the Groove Revival, you'll find our website and you can find out more about us. You can find out about the shows that we're talking about. And uh, yeah, hopefully you like what you find. I, it would be, listen, if you don't, if you like music, it's going to be hard not to like what you find. Right, Brian? <laughs> yes, indeed. So uh, having said that, the, the first show is October 27th at the TAC in Dilworth. I'll be there. I will be Excellent. there. Lucky uh, you, I, you better stream some stuff yeah, on our Facebook yeah, yeah, page. Right, yeah, Come on, yeah, man. For Let's sure, yeah. So thank you so much to Jennifer Lynn and Richard Torrance for being on and, and being guests on the show. And uh, the Almond Brothers tribute show is coming up here. Like I said, first, first uh, show Friday, October 27th at the TAC venue in Moorhead, Minnesota, across the river. So thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Thanks for having us. You too. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much to our friend Jennifer Lynn and Richard Torrance from Jennifer Lynn and the Groove Revival for talking to us about this tribute to the Almonds at Fillmore East. Uh, the first show is a week from today, the 20th, as this podcast is dropping. And um, I will be there at that show. I'll get some get some uh, Facebook video to put on the page. I'm really excited about that. I mean, seen her in person for a while so that'll be a lot of fun going to that show but uh uh just i i really loved you know 
besides that stuff, it's, you know, it's interesting to hear Richard talk about, you know, being on shelter records and, and, uh, you know, you know, knowing a little bit of the start of, you know, Tom Petty and Heartbreakers transforming from Mud Crutch and some of the stuff that, that went on out there. So we'll definitely get him on again. That, that was just a, a lot of fun to hear about that. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I give those two a lot of credit for taking on this material to play because you cannot be an average musician to go out there and play these songs and these parts and man, good on them. And I cannot wait to get some video and stuff from you uh, to hear, hear what's going on. And uh, I think it's going to be awesome, man. They're, they're really talented and just what an incredible choice to go out and do some tribute shows to. Yeah. And uh, very, very complimentary to each other, you know, during the episode. And, and that was, that was very, very good as well. Very great. So uh, I don't know what else to say, man. Um, we had a great conversation, another great episode. So always remember Southern rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 